You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. You're very welcome to the show tonight. I hope I find you well on this Wednesday evening. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week on Stand Out with me, Ian O'Connell, is ex-Irish female rugby captain and proud Kerry woman, Kira Griffin. Ireland head coach Adam Griggs named her Irish captain in January of 2018 when she was just 24 years old, a role that she held until her retirement in November 2021. Sit back and enjoy the show. Thanks a million for, for joining me today, Kira. No problem. Happy to join you. Very good. Um, for all my guests, I like to kind of bring them back to the start, back to the the very early days and stuff. What were you like growing up? What was the young Kira like growing up with with friends and stuff? Um, that's a very good question. I could get in trouble here. Um, I suppose young Kira was one. I suppose they're like a tear away at times. Um, loved getting, loved being busy, loved being outside. Wouldn't sit still for more than a minute. And um, loved going out farming with dad or playing out the backyard with my sisters or you know, pedaling the go kart or going on, on the bike. Um, anything to be active, really. Or I used to love my summers. I'd go over to break to Nana and Granddad's and. I'd literally be, I'd be granddad's shadow all summer, you know, wherever he went, I went, um, which was great. So, yeah, that was really the young Kira. Um, wouldn't really stop, to be honest, or would try to stay out of trouble as, as best she could in a way or try to get out of it. Stay out of mischief. Are you still, um, do you still do a bit of farming now, are you? Yeah, I do. I still, I love it, to be honest. I'm actually gone back. I'm doing the, the distance green start at the moment. Oh. Um, you know, the, yeah, so I was actually doing an assignment there before we started chatting. So it's good. Um, it's keep me busy. But um, no, I, I, I love farming, to be honest. I, I always have. And um, I just love being outside, love being active. And I have really interest in animals as well. Um, and like I help dad now, dad, dad's, up, dad's still busy and all that. So I give my hand whenever I can. Um, it was hard during the rugby. You know, you weren't around as often as you wanted to be. Um, whereas now you're out more often, which is brilliant. So like you have more time with family and friends and I've more time to give a hand as well. Absolutely, and it's great. Even my own cousin, he's a farmer and I, I love I used to go up to his house and out in the, the tractor in the fresh air to really kind of clear the mind, wouldn't it? Oh, it's brilliant. I think it's I always found like I'd say after a game, if I if it didn't go our way or if I wasn't happy with my performance. I went down the field or just went for a walk down the down the down the farm roadway like it you clear your head and you'd feel so much better out of it because thing with farming like you have to focus on the task you're doing. Yeah. You can't let anything else get inside your head. Um so it's a great way for I suppose for that as well and clearing the clearing the mind. There's no there's no flicking through through Instagram when you're trying to herd up a cattle or anything. <laughs> Definitely not. If you have the phones covered in covered them up in in the space of thirty seconds, like so, it's like they know. Um, when you were growing up, then as you you kind of got older, what like sports is obviously a huge part of your life. Were you you were probably always interested in rugby and football and stuff growing up? But was there any other sports that you dipped your feet into, or any other hobbies that you used to love? Yeah. Um. Obviously, look, I used to play football. It was one of my first team sports I played. I started with Benny Mac under 10s um, playing football, and then I went to Desens after that. But other sports I played was, I actually played handball. Um, I played handball for Benny Mac, and actually, I've got 
I got a few All Ireland's in that, um, and I loved that. It was really, really competitive, and kind of got into it nearly by accident. In, in some ways, like mom, mom said they were the, the handball club were looking for members, and do we want to try it? And for play, like mom brought us over. Do you know, like, and I was only stone over a walk over the road, but she, you know, she brought us over, got us involved, we got the goggles and all that crap, you know, and um, play handball for a number of years, and I loved it. Um, and then I played a bit of soccer as well with Belly Har, Belly Har Dinos. So I, <laughs> I put my, I, uh, I dabbed in a few different sports, kept myself busy, and kept poor mom, mom on the road a lot, and dad obviously with the different, with the different, uh, different trainings. Um, but look, we were really lucky growing up in that, like mom and dad, they encouraged us to play sport, but never put pressure on us. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I do think that stood to us and stood to me definitely an awful lot in that I never felt pressure to play sport. It was never about results. It was just about me playing and enjoying it and enjoying myself. And, you know, it's something that now looking back when I suppose finished my rugby that I realised, God, that, that was so important to me at a young age that there was never pressure. There was never pressure I used to play a sport. It's just because I wanted to play it. And um, it just, I suppose, when you reflect back, you know, when you finish things, that that's one thing that really stood out to me. And it's only when you're, like you said, reflecting back now, you realize how, how, you know, every parent, like, like I'm the same myself, my, my parents used to encourage me, but they never forced me. And like, it's a great way to make friends. And it stood you like, you know, growing up, what was your first memory of rugby then, say underage before, before you made it kind of to the higher level? Um, you know, my first memory actually it, it doesn't involve uh, a team it actually involves my sister um and we used play out the back we remember we had up the lawns and we had two lawns out the front they were the good lawns and then we had a lawn out the back and that's where we could you know play away and make make a mess make a mess of it and we actually played a game of rugby out the back regularly um and Fiona was always Johnny Sex uh, Fiona sorry Fiona was always Johnny Wilkinson because she loved him. She like she knew everything about him, and I was always Ronan O'Gara because he was Irish, obviously. And um, and obviously, no, not that I could kick, I couldn't kick snow off a rope, like, but I still said I was Ronan O'Gara. And we used to literally go hell for letter over back the fields, tackling, running out, chipping chases, everything. Um, and it was definitely stood to me. And then my first experience of underage was under fourteens up Castle Island. Um, they set up. We set up an under a women's uh, a girls team, which was fantastic. And her dad was very involved at that time in the club, was he? I he was. Yeah, dad was really involved in the club, and I, I like I was pestering for years, like like for I say good five or six, if not more years to dad. Like, can we get a girls team? Can we set up a girls team? And eventually, as I like, look, we'll try. And I was like, right. When I when I heard that, it's like there's there's a chance. And um, I got on to all the girls in my class. I was in Prez, Castle Island, and literally went around to everyone saying, will you play rugby? Will you come to Castle Island? Will you play rugby? And got loads of girls signed up, you know, and we used to walk up after school um, up, to the, up to the rugby club and do our training sessions after school. And that was one of my earliest memories of the underage team, team rugby because I suppose it was the camaraderie. Everyone got, girls, we all got behind it because we wanted to play it. And, you know, we, we got the numbers ourselves and we worked to get it. And very lucky that we had some excellent coaches in Castle Island who gave us the time as well, like we John and Breed, and they gave us the time, you know, that's at that age. And 
um, gave us our core skills that we still use. And uh, it was just a fantastic, fantastic experience. And I remember Brewer Castle Island, there was the all-weather the all weather pitch. It was like the square. It was all like um, bits of hard rubber, bits of plastic. Uh, <laughs> one thing that stands out is after a contact session, your boots and the car like would be destroyed in the <laughs> in the bits of rubber. And you'd be you'd be trying your best not to dirty the car, like but sure, no matter what it's destroyed. So there's some of my earliest memories. Um, I you're like a politician, so going around to to the friends asking to to come down. I I heard on a on an interview, I don't know was it on off the ball there going back a a few months ago. You looked up to Dunnick Walsh and Paul Galvin, was it at a young age? What was it about them that you you looked up to and admired? Yeah, just in terms of football, since like you know we always grew up watching the green, watching the green and gold and watching football and. What struck me with Paul Gavin was just he was such a physical player, you know, and even if the ball was lost, he'd keep fighting and he'd often get it back. Or if he didn't get it back, he would make it easy on the person who got the ball off him. Do you know what I mean? Or won the ball the second time. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's just, I just love that attitude, that never giving up, constantly working for your team, constantly working for your teammates. And it just reached out to me. And like, he was a very skillful player as well. Um, and then also with Dunnerco Welch, it was just, I thought his, he was always working. Do you know, I don't think if you ever saw a Kerry game, he was never stood still. Yeah. <laughs> he was always running and sometimes he didn't get the ball, but he was an option or he was always tracking back players and he never stopped going. And he often was the link play to so many great moves. But, you know, often people don't remember the person who got the point or got the goal. But I always, it's from my own time of playing, I always look at the three or four phases beforehand and yeah. I always see who started and who got that going. And it was often him. Do you know what I mean? Um, so they were just two players. I, I just, when I was growing up, I always uh, thought there were different people to aspire to be. And like you said there, he'd done a lot of off the ball. I think a player now that's my own club mate that, that, that kind of represents the, the same as he does is Darren Moynihan. He's always running and always kind of recycling off the ball and and all that. Um, moving on to rugby, then, what position did you play? Was it were you flanker or what? Do you wanna do you wanna describe to the to the people out there that aren't rugby heads what exactly your position was? Yeah, so I was a flanker uh, at the start of my playing days, and then I covered back. I covered eight as well. So um, I played six. So it was a scrum, and you have the back of the scrum, and you have the, you know the three people at the back of the scrum pushing onto the front rows and the flanks, but the front rows and the, the second rows, that's your back row. Um, so I covered all those three positions, and I actually played in all three um, at different points for Ireland. And um, my favourite position was six. I don't know, I think I'm an out-and-out out six. I just love, um, I love, I suppose, the hard work of it, and it's often unseen work you do, and yeah. you're, you want to act a menace at the breakdown, and you want to slow, you want to win the ball and all that, and it's a really physical position. And I love that. Um, then I covered seven as well. Obviously, seven, you know, you have to break off that scrum a lot quicker. Um, you're co- you're putting a lot of pressure on that nine, the ten, and the first, and the start of the phase. And then you're really trying to make them second guess, I suppose. And then you're just out, off throwing that inside support to so your ten in the defensive line. And then you've your eight. Your eight is your playmaker at the back of the scrum. Um, so you know my all favorite pick and go, or you know, you you pick you you fend or you pass to nine, or you just go straight to ten, or maybe twelve on a crash ball. Um, 
So it's great, like, just three different positions. And the funny thing is, all three positions have totally different roles after the same set plays. Yeah. So, you know, we've all these different plays. You're like, so you're actually learning to play from three different positions every time. So you could imagine, like, you're like, oh, God. But eventually you get used to it. You get used to running the plays. But, like, at the start of every season, you get your playbook. And I'm literally there. I had a hardback, and I'd be there writing out every possibility for six, every possibility for seven, every possibility for eight. And you're just there learning it all off and just making sure. Now, when I say learning it off, you should know where, you know where you're meant to go. But like, yeah. like I always people, rugby's not, you can't learn rugby, you can't learn rugby off a page. Like it's what happens in front of you and you have to react. But I suppose, you know, for those starter plays, to knowing what to do and where you should be so you don't get a, a, a roast that are given out there for <laughs> being totally on place. It was the kind of the hard work zone stuff that you 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 liked about it. Moving on, then were you, you were call, were you called into the the monster squad as in two thousand and twelve? Was that? Yep, I was, and um, that was my senior, my first time with seniors because I played under eighteens the year before. Yeah, um, and then there was trials on in Nina, and I went just to try it and see. As I like, I was still eligible to play under eighteens that year again. So I kind of said, look, I go to under eight. The senior trial, just for experience, see what it's like. Never expecting to to make it, and then I got I, I made that I made that squad, and I got my first um my first senior monster captain against Ulster up in up in Queens University. So uh, yeah, it was it was a that was a class. That was the that was the the start of it all. You were moving on then. Two thousand and fifteen, you were calling to the the Irish setup. I I, I was reading that. You you did in your first training session. Did you break your leg or did you get injured or something? Yeah, snapped my leg in my first session and in, in my first contact. <laughs> so I can I, I laugh about it because I'm like, oh for God's sake, of all things, like like you probably if you know the way I played, I love contact. Yeah, you yeah. So much to the detriment of some my coach at times, like you know, like you try and run around people instead of true all the time. <laughs> but um. I, yeah, the first drill, pure weirds, got tackled, leg just bent in a weird way and it broke. But um, but I myself convinced, I was like, oh, it's fine, it has to be fine. So I got the physio to strap it. And I was like, I ran a few links of the pitch with the leg strapped. And I was like, but it kept kind of, I'd get maybe three or four steps and it'd just give way. And I, and I was like, oh, there's something not right here. Um, and then sure we got, I got the scan and sure it was a, a broken fibula, a, a clean, a clean straight break. Like you couldn't, there was no, there was no denying it. Um, but how did you, how-, how did you um react to that mentally? Because I, I've talked to a lot of um sports people and like when they're on the sideline for so long, it's obviously even myself now at the start when I used to go up watching the boys after my accident. You know, you'd be looking, you'd just be kind of play with your head like but I'm gone past that stage now I'd be roaring and shouting at them on the sideline but how did you react to that mentally your first time in with the the Irish setup and this happened like it was obviously a huge setback yeah it was it was ah oh, it, it's it, it was it was rotten to be honest it was awful and the way it when it happened but I'm very much like I never I'm very much the person that you know you turn a setback into a positive that makes sense that I'll never dwell on it. I won't I won't be sitting down with the couch eating a tub and Jerry's just to make myself feel better. Do you know, I always see it as an opportunity to work on something else. 
because I'll never forget on the way home in the car, um, I, I was petrified telling mom and dad, like, I was like, oh, how do I break this? And then, like, so I remember ringing him and I was like, look, yeah, a good three or four minutes talking about the training session in camp. He's like, yeah, yeah, I went well. I was like, I was like, got a small injury. And they're like, oh, what happened? I was like, <laughs> I was like, I broke my leg and there was pure silence. And I was like, I was like, but I only broke the fibula. I was like, of all the bones, it's the best bone I, I could have broken because it's a non-weight bearing bone. So I was like, it was actually okay. So there was me straight away, like flipping the switch, trying to see the positive side of it. But um, I remember I got a soft cast. Was that on the Saturday? And then on the Monday, I was in the gym working my upper body because I saw it as an opportunity to get stronger and bigger. You know, because you can't use the leg, you can use, but you can use your arms. You know yourself. So I, I, I just worked away and did the gym work, worked on my upper body an awful lot. Um. I was actually in the gym so much it was ridiculous with a broken leg. And then I bought us when I was on my hard cast, I bought a skateboard. So I used to go into the like you saw me, I'd go into the gym, I'd have my backpack and I'd have my skateboard in the backpack and I'd have a yoga ball and I'd be hitting the yoga ball around the place with my crutches so I could do the bench and weights because I put my leg on the yoga ball so it wouldn't take any weight. So the oh, castle yeah. you know the castle's fine. So it was great for me that it was independence, like, and I'm a very independent person. Um, and I like doing things myself at times. And then then for the, the roar, I used to put my broken leg on the roar, on, on the, the skateboard, and my good leg, I'd strap it in really Aww. tight. And I could still, like, I'd still do a full rowing session uh, just with one leg. <laughs> but, it, but I was laughing. It got to the point where I'd obviously done it too much in that the base of my cast was after fading away from from the skateboard and like a sandpaper. Because, well, how do I explain this? Like, when I was going to get the changed, but they just looked, they asked no question. They say they knew what was going on. Like, but um, yeah, so that's my mindset always. Like, I always think, you know, there's a way of coming out of it. And to be honest, I think that helped me recover quicker because, like, I was back, I got out of the cast in five weeks. I did three or four weeks of rehab and I was back in camp in January and I broke it in October. Go away. Yeah, so I only missed one game and a few training sessions, but I was back for the very start of January camp for that 2016 Six Nations. And you, you made know, like, your debut against Wales on in there in the Six Nations, was it? Yeah, I did up in Donnybrook. What um, was that like? Oh, that was that was unreal. I remember we were in camp before and we were being told kind of if you're going to be involved or you weren't going to be involved. And I remember being told that, look, you're going to be, in the, you're going to be in the, in the match day squad and look, I'm hopefully be making your debut off the bench. And I remember I was like, oh, I couldn't get over it. And then that day on the bus down, we always stay in the Talbot. We always stay in the Talbot Hotel. So it was just the, the same drive down to Donnybrook. And I remember I was, I never really get nervous, but um, I was petrified. Like, I couldn't. I say I was getting pale. I was just nervous. And I never listened to music or anything. I just like to focus on, on what's at hand. And I remember silence. Heather. Yeah, I like silence. And I remember Heather, Heather O'Brien. She was the, the eight, the amazing Irish eight. She was playing eight on the day. And she just sat beside me and she's like, look, you'll be fine. You know, like, is she, you know what you're doing. Like, yeah, yeah. And then I just stepped in. You know, um, it was great. I got to come on the second half. And you know, I, I remember my first involvement is I won a turnover. And I remember I got that. And I remember getting up smiling. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm okay for this. And then that was it. 
it made it all the the more satisfying, like you said, after coming back from the from the injury. Um, your your nickname when you were playing junior, wasn't it? Yeah. Where, where did that come from? I, I was kind of interested in that when I read it. Yeah. So junior, like I, junior, Jew, whatever, like it, that's my name, like above. And when I was playing, I, I actually never really answered to Kira. To be honest, like you would, you get a very slow reaction if you call me Kira. Um, but it came from that year in 2012. Um, I was the youngest on the Munster squad. So I got the name Junior and the older player, the oldest player got the name Senior. So Junior and Senior kind of washed out for each other. And uh, it just stuck to be like Junior stuck. And um, yeah, it's, you know, there could be a lot worse nicknames out of there. So I, I, I was happy with Junior. And um, it was handy as well for playing, do you know what I mean? Because there's very rare you get two juniors on the, on, you know, on the pitch at one time. Um, yeah. So it was handy for things like that. It's like my 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 best friend Michael Horgan. His name is with his second name Horgan, and with about nine years now, his nickname is Hoggy. But his mom would be saying like, "I don't know why I even christened him Michael because he 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 never gets even called it." Um, when the when the pandemic struck then in twenty twenty, she's mad. Thinks almost three years ago, isn't it? Oh, it's that crazy. Was, that was obviously a huge, a huge moment in sports and in not even just sports for the whole world and like when sports is cancelled when it was all you knew for so long like playing that must have been like a huge setback what was that like you know in regards to not being able to go training or or nothing like that yeah that was that that was tough um the first few weeks of the pandemic, you were like, geez, what's even happening? Do you know, like, I think we all were like in a, in a daze or in a fog, like what is going on? Like, is this real life? And you go from being, you know, doing f- three sessions a week and then up in camp, doing six sessions on a weekend to doing, to not seeing anyone and doing nothing. Like, but I was very lucky in that I had a gym in the, I had a gym in the house. Um, I was very lucky that I had to put in at the time and I was able to work away. So I, I actually ended up doing the most training I've ever done um, during lockdown because I had the gym and I tipped away myself and we found every forest trail within our 5k because we were living in Cordell at the time of the pandemic and uh, we were just up an old road and it was great. It was lovely and quiet, so very hilly. So <laughs> there was plenty of hill running and things like that and it kept us going and it kept me busy and loads like the farming, like I... I chopped so many tim- so much timber during that lockdown, my God. <laughs> and you know what I mean? I think it's actually the shed is still full above like. Um so it's good. Definitely having my own gym and being able to do a bit of running and having the farm, it, it saved me during lockdown and that it kept me busy and kept me active. And it didn't feel as much of a I suppose as a shock to the system. But like mm. it was but then I remember forget the first camp we went back. My God, as I go, <laughs> we're back with a bang here, like, and uh, so yeah, no. In some ways, the break was good for the body. Do you yeah. know, uh, my body had never gotten that break before, apart from when I when I retired. Now that like it had never gotten so many weeks without contact, without the heavy the heavy sessions, without the heavy weights, and uh, it definitely helped me. Definitely, hundred percent. Like little niggles that I had healed up, and it definitely helped me. Then when we went back. In regards to like being in the team circle still during um COVID and stuff, did you have like say online Zoom meetings? I I was reading that 
their strength and conditioning was it Orla Kern her name was she mm-hmm. kind of set out a program for you wasn't it did you were you still kind of in the the same circle with the team like touching base say with the background staff and manager and all that oh yeah like we always stayed like weekly always stayed weekly contact and so the captain I knew always making sure players were okay so I was doing regular check-ins with people just to see how they're getting on and things like that and you know if they wanted to chat I was there and if they didn't that's fine too and then our SNC um did like a she was class like she made up this program for us she gave options of say weighted if you'd, if you'd weight you could do it but if you didn't have weight you could also do it yeah. and she had different options and that was class cause, and then obviously there was different competitions and we had different Zoom challenges um, and you had to video it and send it to the group and there was a leaderboard and sure we're all so competitive but of course Lindsay Peace would nearly win every would, would win nearly every challenge or every leaderboard because she's that competitive but it was brilliant and it, it was a great way of kind of you know, kept morale going and boosted morale too. And it was great way checking in with each other too, which was excellent. And we did like a few live, live sessions as well. So did some live circuits, bit of bit of mobility and stuff like that, just to change it up. Um, like So even though it was virtually, it was nice to stay in contact. And like you said there, um, being captain, you kind of had the responsibility to check in on, on people and stuff. What? Because it was like, it was, was it 24 years of age he appointed you mm-hmm. as captain like from from such a young age being 24 did you feel a certain amount of pressure or what was it like because talking to you now you you're I think you're the kind of person that you you kind of when you were named captain that you probably liked the challenge yeah you did like to be honest being named captain was something I never expected I remember I was actually in school working when I got the call um I was on break I was like, what? Like, and, and then I was like, oh, like, I was like, okay. And then I had to go into this into the staff room and pretend like nothing happened. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, my whole head was spinning. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't say it was pressure. It was just more like it was a learning curve. Do you know what I can? Like I said that to the girls the very first the very first day, like when I was announced that you won't get big speeches, things like that. It's just you know actions. That's what I look for. And what I lead by is actions and. And it was my way, like, and the way I kind of let it was, I wasn't a massive voice all the time, but, you know, like, I'd have, you know, we'd have a leadership group and there'd be different leaders in among the team. And that was a great way of kind of sharing responsibility too and making sure it didn't all fall on, on my shoulders. Um, because often, you know, as Catholic people think, you should be, in, like, you'll be correcting different behaviours or yeah. pushing different standards. And I'm like, right, like, that's, like, you know, you're not in school, like, I'm, I'm off the clock that you know you don't have to be bad cop all the time and so I was really good there as you know, having that leadership group and to delegate and have different roles for different people and I was very big on say younger players when they came into the squad getting them involved as well because I suppose when I was like at a young age you know it just showed like I think that experience would have helped if I had more experience in those leadership roles from a young age too and so that was something I kind of started doing was kind of even if they weren't in a leadership group, you know, I chat with the younger players, ask for any feedback, things they saw, or anything they'd like to change, or what thing would do well for the team or the group. And I found that really good. And I was very big on like communication and open communication in the group. And um, I definitely that helped because you know people felt like they could come to you, they could talk to you if they, you know, and 
They could also slag you, which was good. It was good for team morale. So, oh yeah, I think you'd often get slagged up there. Um, but that's good too. You know, I think it was a good way of showing we did a good, a really good group friendship and a kind of a good relationship as a team. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my my philosophy. Um, like you were saying there at the the start of the interview about the women's team starting in the club when you were going around to your friends and stuff. It's amazing to see over the last two or three years the progress in women's sports, like not even in rugby and soccer, but like even GA there, you've seen the ladies' finals and across the pond and Sunday, the, the Euros final, there was nearly 80,000 or something at it. Since you started your sporting career over all sports to now, what difference have you seen like since then? Oh, it's a massive. When I first started, now it's a it's a total polar opposite, which is which is fantastic because it means there's more opportunities for young girls to get involved in sports and so many different types of sports, like you were saying there. And I think the big thing is um, there's definitely more coverage. You know, yeah. where you can see you can definitely see even in the paper there's more sport or online there's more sport being advertised. Like I was at the game on Sunday, the Kerry ladies. And it was just fantastic. Now, unfortunately, look, the results didn't go the way we hoped. But like, if you just think about what what they've achieved in a season, do you know, like, and 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 I thought they were such good. I suppose uh, that was highlighted so well as well. And there's really good support around the county firm, and that's just one team, one example. And I think that's getting more and more regular, yeah. which is what we need. And you can see, though, what's great is that uh, female teams they're performing. Do you know, because they're they're getting a bit of backing, they're getting the time, they're getting the support, and and I think that's what's really important. And you can see teams are flourishing. Like there was like what was a forty six thousand were at that was at the game on Sunday. Yeah. It was a really a good game, a really good game of football, and there's some really good skill on display. And, and it was just brilliant. I I won't like going into the game. I just couldn't remark enough the amount of younger girls going supporting. And they're in their kits and they're their full gear on and they're going supporting their supporting their heroes like in, in both the meat colours and the carry colours. And it was just fantastic because I just think it's once they see it more, it becomes more regular, becomes a norm, and they don't bat an eyelid now. And that's what I'd love to see more of. And that's that's a big difference I can see from when I first started, you know, from having to get a team set up yeah. to now the option of so many teams in, in the county to go play with. Um, and I hope now it just goes from strength to strength, and, uh, and and keeps and keeps getting stronger. And it's great to to see the like you said the coverage even on the papers and stuff. And it's there's kind of more funding from the government and stuff like coming in, and it's it's great to see. And it's not becoming known as ladies football and men's football. It's becoming known as football all round, and that's 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 what you want to to see from um from where you're. From back there now, where you're playing Castle Island and stuff, a lot it's like a GA stronghold, but a lot of rugby players have come out of there, has haven't there? Yeah, there's every something in the water around here. I'd say in that, uh, seems to be a good few rugby players coming from from around in the different parishes. Even like you've like you've Coro has has plenty, Valley Mac, there's one Castle Island, so it is brilliant to see in Scarped as well of players. So I don't know. I think it's hopefully if we could battle it. We'd be we'd be away with it, wouldn't we? Just to, <laughs> to get more players, but um, I think it's mad. Like in Benny Mac, like I'd 
Helen Brosnan, and um, she was my neighbour over the road, and I used to go up. She played for Ireland, and then like I used to go up to her when I was small. That she's I wanted to be like my neighbour, you know. And like she she played there, and she she was an out half for Ireland, was top class. Um, and then like you know you have local heroes. Then like like your Sean Fleming, Coral, your Sharon Lynch, um, Siobhan Barrett. You know, so it is. There is a lot of female players, and and there's also obviously the male players as well, like like the McDowell, McDowell, all that, and JJ and Sean McCarthy as well, who did really well in, in, in rugby. Um, so yeah, I just hope to, I hope now that there'll be more in the years to come. There'll be more names um, from from this area and from Kerry, even just to see see more Kerry players coming through, because it is difficult, you know, with with a lot of it being centralised in Dublin, like. You have a lot of travel when you're from Kerry, and just like the Kerry players who are traveling down for their football, you know, um, it, it, it takes a toll on the body. Um, so I think hopefully, finally, it might change that and make it more centralized, and that they might go to different provinces. But um, I'd love to see definitely more more players getting involved. Moving on now towards the end of your your career in you know 2020, 2021 and stuff. What was like? Uh, after such a successful career, it was obviously probably a hard enough decision to to come to to retire and stuff. Was it um was it kind of playing on your mind for a while, or was this there was family reason, or was there any was it a big decision to to make? Yeah, it was a massive decision because like rugby was my life for so many years, and then like. You know, I, I organised my life around rugby and I'm very lucky that I my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was so patient and just so understanding and so supportive that, you know, he knew that, like, it was all for a reason I had it in goal. Um, and to us now, I'll tell you what happened. Obviously, we Parma and it didn't go our way. Um, we didn't qualify for the World Cup, and which was absolutely heartbreaking. It was, it was, it was there, like, morning. Um, um, but then... You know, you realise, okay, there's life outside the sport as well. And then what happened was just re I sat back, looked at different things, and it was going to be the start of a new four-year cycle for the next World Cup qualifiers. And I knew myself, just my own plans and stuff, that I wasn't going to be around for the next World Cup for a four-year cycle. And I kind of just thinking that I'm very big on, with the jersey, it's, 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 you don't own it. You never own a jersey. You're just your gatekeeper. That's the way I always start. You're, you don't want to draw, you, you keep it, you gatekeep it, and you mind it for the next generation and for that next player who's pushing you to play at your best, who's at your heels, you know? And I kind of rely, I kind of just looking back and I was like, I'm not going to be around for another four years. So rather than, you know, taking opportunities that a younger player could get, could yeah. get that exposure at a young age, like at a young, maybe there's 18, 19, 20 year olds there who could, that'd be four years of experience for those group of players or whoever, those number of players in that position. that it, No, I'm not saying I would have been selected every time, but if I you know, if I kept going, you know, if I was competitive and kept trying, I'd, I'd hope I'd get that position. Whereas I'd be keeping it knowing I would be trying for going to a World Cup if we got there. So, so it was my way of realising that, look, I, I, I achieved as much as I could achieve in the time I had, and it was time, I suppose, for me to focus on the next my next adventure and my next challenge. And then, you know, it's what I know about sport is often you don't go out on your own terms. Yeah. And I got to go out on my own terms, which is very rare. Like I got to go out in front of a home crowd in, against Japan 
And then a week later, I played with the Barbarians up in Twickenham, was vice captain. Like, if you do it with that, I would, if you do it with that, to a 14-year-old Kira who was going around asking all her friends to play rugby to get a team, like, she would have laughed at you and said, you're, 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 I'd watch your aftertaking, you're, you're high. Um, whereas, you know, it, it's just when you look at it that way, um, look, it was a really hard decision and it's not something I did lightly at all. Like, it took weeks and months of deliberation and chats and, Loads of toing and froing with family and, and friends and just chatting. And um, but no, I must say I'm delight, really content, to really happy with my decision. Um, it was just the right time for me, and that was really important. That, like I said, it was my terms, and I got to go up my own terms playing. The side of rugby, I, I love playing and and playing with my group of friends and and just enjoying it. Um, I think that's really important. And then I'm back, back, back playing the back playing the. The round ball from the over ball attempting to learn the rules again. I was so, going uh, to say that actually, like when you when you finished up, like you said, it's a great way to describe you're only a gatekeeper for the the next person. You went back playing football in straight away, like you said, and the first person you were marking was an old teammate, wasn't it? Yeah, this season the first person, one of the first people to mark was Louise, uh, Louise Galvin. So I was laughing, I was like, this is typical. She's still as fast as ever. Um, but it's good like I'm enjoying being back playing the game and I'm doing, we're doing myself and Damien we're, we're doing a bit of running and we're doing a few half marathons as well so you know it's just it's a nice little challenge and keeps keeps the, the mind and the body taking over because like we were laughing like we're nearly doing more training now that I'm retired than I did than we did together when I was playing um, which is nice too because like I was saying earlier I, I'm not one to sit still um, so I definitely think being active and being busy has helped the transition much easier for me play as a, from playing at the elite level. Um, but yeah, I'm loving I'm loving every minute of my retirement team, to be honest. So hopefully long may it continue. And like I said, it's a great way to, to spend time now with your husband and do the marathons and, and stuff. Before we finish up, I just want to touch on life now. You're um you're teaching at the moment, um What's what's that like? What subjects are you are you teaching on? And were you were you the the kind of person growing up that you wanted to go into teaching? Um, yeah, I'm um I'm teaching in the CBS Primary School in Tralee. Um, so they're in Clonmel So I have second class this year again. So I've had second class the last few years, and um, yeah, I love teaching. It's it like I'm not being cliche, but like I've always wanted to be a teacher. You know, from a young age, it was always what I wanted to do. Um, my mom was a teacher as well for years. Um, and I always, you know, was like, I want to be a farmer like dad, a teacher like mom. Um, so I, you know, I get to do the book, I get to do the two in one, which is great. But um, I love teaching. It's it's a really good, I just find it really, no one day is the same. <laughs> it's one way of putting it. And it's good. There's really good challenges. And I obviously, I love to teach PE, as you can imagine. So, um, there's always some random PE classes brought out by me, like so. It's it's just good, and um, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm just really lucky now that you know I get to go back teaching as well. And like I was balancing teaching full time and playing with Ireland as well, so it was a lot of balancing and a lot of time for both. But um, look forward to being as a full time full time focus on it now again. What was it like during COVID as a as a teacher? Were you under the the Zoom and stuff? Because I know. I know when I was on Zoom in, 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 in school and stuff, the teacher I'd say we nearly nearly 
broke her heart. The camera would be on and off and there'd be bags of potatoes being thrown back and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think... I think all of us that time we just we were like to like just learning on the go because we were never envisioned anything like that happening. But we used teams and we were using teams and getting kids on it and which was great and having I used to have phone calls, I'd ring them, make sure they're checking in, see how they're how they were doing. But I definitely before the face to face teaching, that's for sure. I'm I'm definitely made her a classroom and that not the computer. So I'm uh, I'm joining back to a bit of normality. Very good. Um, last question before you go for any um, say younger people coming up now through the ranks like you are over the last couple of years. What advice would you would you give them that, like you said, if there was a fourteen year old, Kira would think that you were going out in Twickenham and wearing the Irish jersey and stuff. If that's if they're in that position now, what would you what would you say to them? Um, my one piece I'd say is back yourself. Like don't don't be the self doubter because you're there for a reason. You know you're playing for you're in a team for a reason. And just back yourself and back what you can do. And there'll be times where things don't go your way. It's very easy to let the head sink and go down. But you're good enough. You're strong enough, and you're there for a reason. So just back what you can do and enjoy it. Because I think once you back yourself and you enjoy yourself. Everything else just flows and it just it sits into place for you. So there are my two um my two nuggets of advice for any player coming through. Very good. Kira, thanks a million for, for coming on. I really appreciate your time and really enjoyed that that chat and hopefully there'll be more more people coming out of the waters in Castle Island and stuff wearing the, 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 the green and gold and the green of Ireland. That's great. Thanks a million. Love you chatting. Now, unfortunately, that's all we have time for tonight. I hope you all enjoyed the show as much as I have, and I appreciate you tuning in as always. A massive thanks to Kira for coming on and sharing her story with me today. If you have any questions, suggestions, or requests for next week's show, you can contact me through my Instagram, enoconnell321, or through my email address, ioconnell at radiocarry.ie. Stay tuned into Radio Kerry because Brian Priestley is up next with That's Jazz. I'll be back at the same time next week from 8 to 9 p.m. Until then, stay safe and mind yourself. You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8 p.m. here on Radio Kerry.